0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, you know the drill, like button, subscribe button. You can follow us there as part of Empire Media, IRE. It's always much appreciated, especially when this team is one in four and all it is is just you want some hope and there's a ton of frustration. I get it, folks, so I appreciate you tuning in during times like this in particular. Today, I'll be joined by... ESPN NFL analyst, Matt Bowen. You can follow Matt on Twitter and on Instagram at the same call at basically the same stuff, Matt Bowen 41. You can find him there again on Twitter and on Instagram, always posting good stuff, especially on Instagram, some play breakdowns and he does great work for ESPN. So give him a follow former Washington safety, of course. And I apologize for my scratchy voice. I'm just, it's just been, I spent the last couple of days trying to figure out how to fix this stuff here, talking to a lot of people, I'm not sure that's really the reason, but my voice is scratchy regardless. So there you go. What I have been talking to people about what's going on here. Anyway, Matt and I get into a little bit of the Bears Commanders preview because this game still matters. If you, you this this team has to win this game. Can they? You know what what has to happen. So we spend several minutes talking about that game, but then we start digging into what his thoughts are on Carson Wentz. Bowen has watched this offense in particular, so I st- I focused on what he thought about the offense. Asked him about the play calling ask him about coaches in their third year, where they're at when they're one and four, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't always have the insight. And I make this clear on there that we're speaking generally about how a player might think in these situations. We go back to his playing days with the Redskins and when he was playing for Joe Gibbs. How did Joe Gibbs handle some of the tough starts? Because if you remember his first season, they're one and four after five games. And then they only went, was it five and 11 that year, I think, six and 10? And let me double check. Yeah, it was um. Anyway, yeah, they were one and four in his first year. Finished six and ten. The next year they start four and two, get to ten and six. Big difference. But anyways, I dive into that with all all of that with Matt Bowen, and he gives some really good insight as to what a player thinks in certain situations. So I'll get to that in a couple of minutes. And because it was a longer interview, I'm not going to spend a lot of time wasting your time with my thoughts here. So the only thing I'll give you a couple nuggets. Um, we don't know yet about injuries for Thursday, in particular receiver Jahan Dotson. It's a hamstring injury. My guess is it's going to be pretty tricky for him to go. We'll find out later on Wednesday, excuse me on Tuesday because they will be practicing on Tuesday. Um, so by the time you hear this, you may we already may already know um, what his status is for Thursday. He did speak to us um, on Monday. You can see that interview on Empire Media, and he gives a pretty good indication of just where he's at. But again, we don't know what his status is. Same with Logan Thomas, don't know that yet. Um, And you know, I I know that William Jackson has the back injury. He was not listed on the injury report on Monday. Excuse me, he was on there with the back. But if they had been able to practice full, he would have been able to practice in full, which tells you that while his back may be bothering him, I don't think that was the only reason for the benching because Rivera would have come out and said that when given the chance on Monday. I do think that a lot of it is because of his play, and I also know there's been frustration with his play because he just hasn't been good, especially in zone coverage and especially in certain situations where he's given up big plays in part because he's not fulfilling his assignments and it's clear and it's clear to others, it should be clear to him uh, as far as what he needs to do on certain plays. So anyway, there you go. Now, the last thing will be with Carson Wentz and you know by now the flap that was created when Rivera was asked in a press conference, why are the other teams in the NFC East some of whom are first year coach, second year coach, Um, why are they in better situations in their rebuilds than this team is? It's a great question. Matt Paris asked it. And it's a fair question. We kind of, you know, I, I got something similar. Matt played off. I asked something similar earlier, not quite as strong, but Matt played off that and went better with it. And he got the answer that you heard on Monday quarterback. Now everybody took that as like, Oh my God, he's throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. He did. He did go he did um build off that answer and say that they're they now feel like they have the quarterback they can build around, whereas those other teams had their quarterbacks last year that they could build around. And so they're further ahead because they have built around them more. It's a clunky answer. And I don't think it's a good answer either, because I think those you look at the Giants, they're four and one. They don't have the talent this team does, and they don't, they were missing their top three receivers the other day. And they still went out and beat the Packers. So coming back from a couple touchdowns down. So I don't think it's all about that, but you can disagree with all of that, of what he said. But I do know that they have been, you know, that they're not sitting there throwing Carson Wentz under the bus. I, that was not the intent. And again, even he was asked later, and he said, I have no regrets with that trade. And he did clarify what he meant. It was just a clunky way to say it. My, what I've also heard is that he did apologize or talk to the team about it on Tuesday morning. And he did apologize to Carson Wentz. And people want to know, what, is Wentz, what would Wentz think? What did he think about it? My, what I was told is that somebody went up to him after practice and filled them in on what was said um, during or um, right after the walkthrough and what was said uh, about that situation. And Wentz just kind of laughed about it and just said, all right, what are my responsibilities on Tuesday? Meaning, what media do I have? What do I have to do? In other words, it didn't bother him at all, especially when he was told what it was about and why he said it the way he did. But again, he did talk to him. you'll hear more about it today. Um, I think you have to provide full context for it. It's not about making excuses. It's about providing full context and being honest about what was said in full full detail. Anyway, that's it. And one other thing I do want to mention is I know a lot of people get upset after some of these games about like, why aren't you calling for this guy to be fired? Why aren't you doing this? My job as a reporter is not – I'm a reporter. That means I'm reporting and just letting you know what's going on and I will analyze what's going on. Is it a good situation right now? No, they need to be better coach. They don't look like a well-coached team, but they have players who are also making mistakes. This is a, this is a top-down failure with this, with the start like this, but I'm not going to sit there and I haven't sat there in the two plus decades I've covered this and called for a head coach to be fired. It's not what, it's not what ESPN wants me to do. And I'm going to fulfill what they want me to do. And not just play to the to the people who just want you to say one thing. It's not what I'm going to do, but I can tell you what's going well, what's not, and when it, you know, et cetera. But you have to understand that's my job as a reporter. I have maintained a level of professionalism over the years, and it's going to continue. And I'm not just going to play to the crowd that wants to hear that. Even if you think it may be right, you can say it. Go ahead. It's five games. It's your right. You're a fan. Have at it. We all know what the situation is right now. We know where it's at in the third year. It hasn't looked good. So there you go. Anyways, I just want to let you know. And there's a, as a reporter, that's how you handle it. As a columnist, you can go different. I think sometimes there's a. I'm not sure that it's always clear what is a reporter, what is a columnist, etc. My job as a reporter is to do what I'm do it the way I'm doing, and hopefully people appreciate the way the the approach that I take. If not, then you um then there you go. Can't help that. Anyway, that's enough for me. Didn't mean to ramble on that. Let's get to my conversation with ESPN analyst. NFL analyst and former Washington Redskins safety, Matt Bowen.
1: Hey everyone, have you ever bet on sports with your buddies and do you like competing against your friends and not the book? Think about all the juice that gets lost during the football season. Betting 11 bucks, win 10 bucks. Brothrow lets you bet on all 50 states because Brothrow isn't the house. Bettors have a fair shot at winning here. Only sports betting platform that doesn't take a cut out of every bet. And you don't even have to deposit money into a bro throw account, no deposits, no minimum bets. Don't need to connect your bank account. Betters pay each other directly. Hassle free sign-up. It's a process that lets you get in the action in seconds. Right now, bro throw is only accepting people through a specific link. If you want to bet with us, our link is brothrowcom throw.com backslash kind K E I M bet without fees. no minimum bets. If you bet 10 bucks, you win 10 bucks. That's brothrow.com backslash kine. You can find us on there, play some bets, have some fun. Well,
0: Matt, I'm here to talk about the biggest game of the week because I'm sure the nation cannot wait for the Bears and the Commanders. How excited are you for this one?
2: I'll tell you what, I, and there's a couple of things about this football game. One, from you know, start from the Chicago Bears' perspective is – you know, the development or the progression of what they're doing offensively. And I think you saw last week against Minnesota, especially the quarterback, Justin Fields, he got more in a rhythm as a thrower. That's what you want to see. Now, how did he get into a rhythm, John? You know, it's not very complicated. Take the throws that are available versus both zone, man. And when you see pressure, get the ball out, work the tight end in the middle of the field. They did scheme some vertical shot plays uh, to the third level of the defense. And that's what you want to see with his progression. Because if you go back earlier in the season, especially with the the low amount of passing volume they had, John, it's hard to get the feel for what they want to do offensively. We know they're run heavy. We know they have two good backs that that can get downhill, that can make plays once they get through the second level of defense. Uh, But in terms of the passing volume, it was so low. And I understand what you want to do. Uh, You're a new coaching staff. You have a young quarterback. You're trying to stay competitive in football games lean on your defense in certain situations, be opportunistic on defense. But to win in this league, you have to increase the passing volume. You have to be a little bit more aggressive as a throwing offense. And you're starting to see that a little bit more now with Justin Fields. Look, John, you and I both know you're an Ohio State guy, and Justin Fields has rare physical tools for the position. He brings a natural physical element and a playmaking element to that position. Again, you saw that versus Minnesota last week when he had to go outside of structure. I think it's a key thing, John. Earlier in the year, I think there was times when Fields was more willing to pull the football down and make plays outside of structure when I thought there was opportunities for him to move in the pocket, reset his throwing window, come backside, and throw the football. In this game against Minnesota, when he made those plays, I thought they were necessary. That's one thing I look for with every quarterback. When they move, is it necessary movement or is it unnecessary movement? Because if it's unnecessary movement, then you get into a situation where you're leaving throws in the field. Against the Vikings, I thought there was times he did get pressure, had to hit the eject button to get outside of the pocket or to take an open rush lane, and that's what he brings to your offense because he does have that dual threat ability, which if you're a defensive coach or a defensive player, very tough to prepare for. It is, and and Justin Fields is a guy that this team considered trading up for. Mm
0: -hmm. So they clearly liked – there was some stuff I know they liked about him before the draft. They felt like there were some things that, in terms of quarterback style, could be like a Deshaun Watson. Um, and but I know they liked him and they considered trading up for him. Are you? Do you feel like he can still be a, a a good starting quarterback?
2: I do, and I think it's such a small sample size right now. You go back to last season; he's working with a new, uh, an old, you know, different coaching staff last season. You have to look at their personnel too. Okay, you compare the skill talent. In Washington and Chicago, it's very different. It is very different. Right now, your number one wide receiver is Darnell Mooney. And Darnell Mooney has that vertical stretch ability. He can work the second and third level of the defense. He's not a post-up target. He's not going to make a lot of contested catches because of his smaller frame. He does have the vertical speed to get on top of anyone in the NFL. But outside of that, you don't really have, uh, you know, a high-end number two. You just have to be honest what they have in the wide receiver room there. Cole Komet is their tight end. He's still a young player in the NFL. Um, I think he does need more targets in the pass game. There's different things you can do for your offense, but he doesn't have the skill talent around him right now, in my opinion, when you can make a true evaluation of what he is yet at the position in the NFL. Now, there's a lot of time left in the season, so if I'm a coach in Chicago, if I'm a scout, a pro scout in Chicago, I'm very excited to see where this goes the rest of the season because then you start to project, okay, now you're starting to see those traits how they fit into a pro offense, into our offense with our new coaching staff. What can we do? We're going to have a lot of salary cap money in the offseason to build this offense around him because he does have the talent to be a starter. And then you start to look down the road. Is he a mid-level starter? Can he be a high-level starter? Those are things to get to. But you're seeing right now that he definitely has the traits to be a starter in the NFL.
0: Excuse me. Another guy that I know that this team liked was on the other side of the ball, Jaquan Brisker. Mm-hmm. And they have Derek Forrest, Cam Curl, as strong safety, Buffalo Nickel types. So they are okay at that spot. But how and I like Brisker before the draft. What, how has he done?
2: I think he's I think he's flashed at moments of what he can be in this defense. Now, you and I both know with any young player, especially in the secondary, you're gonna have up and down moments, right? And it can be something as simple as your angle to the football. You saw that earlier in the game. I go back to the Sunday night game against Green Bay with Brisker and Kyler Gordon. OK, so uh, two young defensive backs who I really like in the system when they, you know, John, when they drafted those two players, it was a little surprising saying, OK, they need offensive help and they go immediately to the defensive secondary. I get it, though. You have a defensive head coach. You're trying to find players that are prime fits for what you want to do defensively. And Brisker, I loved his tape at Penn State. Loved it because he's a top down player. He plays with a sense of urgency. There's things he has that I can't coach as a, as a secondary coach. You know, natural instincts to play around the football, can pedal in quarters, can play in the deep path. And then you start to say, okay, what did you do when he's in the box? I think he'd be very disruptive. Okay, but going back to that Green Bay game, the Sunday night game, there was times he took poor angles to the football. You know, there's times Gordon took poor angles to the football. There's been times in the tape when Gordon has attacked the line of scrimmage versus play action, opening a a second level void for the opposing quarterback to drive the ball in an inbreaker. So there's things they have to learn, but there are also times you turn on the tape, John, and they flash. You say, okay, I get it now understand what they can be. And then, and again, just like Justin Fields, a young player, yeah, you, simple, simple thing, John, you have to play, right? Okay, you have to play. And I think fans need to understand that with the young players, they have to play and make mistakes. Okay. To to achieve success in this league, you, you have to start with a lot of failure because those are correctable moments. Now I can take the defensive backs in the medium and say, this is what we, this is what we want you to do. This is how you made a mistake here. Okay. We take it out to walk. We take it out to practice. Throughout the week, and what you want to see is they don't make the same mistake twice, right? You want to see improvement of okay. They didn't hit their landmark and cover two. They opened their hips too early. That's why they completed the football. The next game, want to see them correct it. But guess what? With the next game, there's gonna be another mistake you got to correct. So it's a gradual process of doing that. But in terms of their talent, their urgency, uh, the way they play the game of football, the physical element they have in the secondary. I think they're great fits for what they're trying to build here in, defensively in Chicago. Where
0: can Washington hurt the Bears on, on Bears' defense?
2: Well, attack their tendencies. You know, the Bears are not very complex in defense. You know, it is the cover two base defense, cover three, very zone heavy. Uh, they're not a big pressure defense. When they do pressure, uh, you're going to get some linebacker pressure, some slot pressure. It was zone coverage behind us sometimes, man. Um, And I think they will eventually get to, John, They're more aggressive defensive. I'm not going to say it's going to be this week. If you go back to Matt Eberflus when he was a defense coordinator last year with the Colts, first and second down, they were very tendency-based. You understood what they're going to be, a lot of zone, a lot of two deep, some three deep. On third down, I thought they were pretty complex. Now they had players like Kenny Moore in the slot. You had... Uh, Town at the second level. You had a defensive line. You could twist and stunt and get home to the quarterback. So can they get to that point? I think eventually they will, but they were very complex in Indianapolis on third down, a high pressure rate and a high man rate. I don't think the bears are there yet. So you know what their tendencies are going to be. You have to have cover two beaters at the top of your call sheet. You have to understand what you can do versus cover three. I think last week is a great example. And the Washington coaching staff will see this. How did they get Justin Jefferson open? Okay, and everyone thinks it's it's, it's very high-level stuff. It's not. They use early down play action versus cover three. Why, John? Because there's a curl defender underneath Justin Jefferson. They use that play action to pull him to the line of scrimmage. Now you have Justin Jefferson working versus a corner in a bail technique or a pedal technique. You press him down the field, get him open his hips. There's a lot of room there now. Because once you get that underneath defender to step to the line of scrimmage versus an NFL quarterback – now it's one-on-one versus a zone technique corner. Hey, run a deep curl, run a deep comeback, break inside. There's going to be room there, and that's what you're trying to do against the zone defense is to influence defenders. The other term I use is clear and replace, John. What does that mean? Okay, we want to, we want to create an opening for McLaurin on a deep end break. Well, we're going to take someone in the slot next to him, run a deep over out to push the safety out of there. Well, now there's a void. So you replace it with the dig route. I mean, there's, there's things you can do versus zone coverage, and I think that's what Washington has to do. And also how to utilize Curtis Samuel. You know, I've I've said since the beginning of the year, watching Samuel on that offense, we're finally seeing what he can do when healthy. Right. Use him as your motion movement player. And what I mean by that is somebody to catch screens with, backfield alignments, get him going on a fly sweep, motion to move him before the snap of the football to get the matchup you want or to influence the defender you want to attack zone coverage.
0: How much you've been able to watch
2: Washington more offensively this year than what they've so, done under Turner? So, I what do you what I, have
0: you thought about it?
2: I I think that they are trying to fit what Carson Wentz wants to do. That's my opinion. You know, Carson Wentz by by naturally is an aggressive thrower, right? He's someone that wants to push the ball to the third level. He's someone that wants to be aggressive. I think earlier in the season they did an excellent job in terms of scheming up defensive tendencies, especially on third downs. get the matchup they want whether it's a bunch stack motion using things like quads alignments and getting their personnel in the right spots where they can attack defensive tendencies i think as the season progresses and i think you've seen already they do want to be aggressive as a throwing offense they want to throw deep end breakers they want to get vertical one-on-ones outside the numbers you saw that last week where Wentz can can drop back hit that back foot and rip the ball down the field because he has the ability to do it We talked earlier, John, about the natural or the physical tools that Justin Fields has. Carson Wentz has those too. There's a reason you're drafting the top five of your quarterback. There is a reason. It's not just your ability. It's the physical traits or tools you bring to the National Football League. There's no question Carson has. And I think you've seen, like you and I have talked before, there are times when those physical tools play to the detriment of Carson Wentz, where he extends plays too long, or he takes unnecessary hits because he – Believes he can play through contact as a quarterback or extends outside the pocket and push the ball to an area of the field where he shouldn't throw the football. And like I talk about with fields, taking the throws that are available, that's always going to be a part of Wentz. Will he take the throws that are available and will he hit the layups when they're there?
0: Do you find them predictable?
2: Um, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I think that's easy to say when, when teams start to struggle a little bit or go through a, a rough rough part of the schedule and losing football games that have become too predictable uh, from a tendency-based perspective. Uh, I think early in this season they were a little bit more uh, willing to be creative, let's put it that way, and I think they can get back to that where they're using more motion and movement and using their players in a beneficial way to get them loose in space. That has to be a part of their offense, but I wouldn't say that they are naturally predictable.
0: What, what do you think of their receiving core in general? I mean, they're basically mainly McLaurin, Samuel, and then Jahan Dotson.
2: Well, I think, Don, I think Dotson's really dynamic now. Right. I mean, I think he's a really good player. That is just – you're just starting to see how talented he can be. And I use the term dynamic. I don't use that loosely. I don't use it with a lot of players. You know, if there's two rookies coming out of this draft class that were the term dynamic, I would say would be Dotson and Garrett Wilson. Mm. Okay, because when, what I mean by dynamic, John, is – one, we know they can run routes and they're gonna develop as route runners. Both you're gonna look back at, at this tape two to three years from now, and Wilson and Dots will look like different players in terms of their yeah. ability to run routes because they're gonna grow as professional football players. But the dynamic abilities, that's something you cannot teach. Can't teach in the weight room either. Either you have it or you don't. And what I mean by that is one, the body control, uh, two, the ability to move in space, and that suddenness to their game. Well, they can stop and start immediately. Huh. I mean, that is that is so much more important to me than a 40-time. So what? much more important than a 40-time. It doesn't matter how fast you are in a straight line. Give me a wide receiver that can stop and start within the route oh. stem or after the catch because that puts a ton of stress on your defense. And with Dotson, the body control, you saw it at Penn State to make plays outside his frame. You've seen it already this year in his rookie season with Washington. But he's someone that can be very high level. We know what McLaurin is, right? He's a detailed and savvy route runner. Someone I would put up there in terms of the route traits with a Keenan Allen. Okay, that's their game. I mean, McLaurin can stretch you over the top, just like Keenan Allen can stretch you over the top at times, but I never thought that's his game. He's not a straight line burner. He's not someone you sign and say, Well, you're the vertical stretch target in our offense. No, you are the you are the player that gets open. And another thing with wide receivers, I don't know what McLaurin ran. I don't I, I don't remember and I don't care. He but gets fun. open. Yeah. Right. He gets open. OK. Can you get open? Can you create separation? Can we? Can you manipulate a defender's leverage to create separation and get back to the football for your quarterback?
0: Yeah. And I I love watching Dotson. Dotson also does a really good job to me of of pressing and um, the defensive back, attacking them, attacking their leverage, but also like not tipping off where he's going too soon. So he's going to get right up in that defender. And so you've got to wait to see where he makes a move. And by the time he makes that move, he's creating separation. It's why he's so good in the red zone and certain routes. Do, with Going back to Wentz, do you think that he's a guy that you can win with?
2: I do. I do. I think he's a guy you can win with. I think you need a strong run game structure. Uh, I think you need a play caller that's going to put him in some situations where you can get him into a rhythm. Uh, meaning taking first and second level throws, starting to move the football down the field, be methodical at times when you have to, and then take your shots over the top of the defense. But I do think you win with Carson Wentz. We've seen it already in the NFL. Now, the last couple of years, I think his tape has been really up and down and really goes back to what we talked about, the decision-making at times, and then going outside of structure when it's not necessary to go outside of structure. Sometimes it's okay to take a loss on a play. Sometimes it is okay to do that and throw the football away To take a sack even when you have to and understand that if you kick the ball if you end a series with a kick it's better than turning it over it means you're taking right. the field or next point or you're punting the football away um because these games are hard to win i've always said that about the nfl and i never get it when <laughs> you know we're talking about football with anyone and you say well they're playing this team they're not very good that's just That's just not true. Everyone's good in this league. And you're seeing it right now. Some of the teams that are dominant right now. There's not many of them. Okay. Tell me who's really good in the NFL right now. I think it's a hard question to answer.
0: Well, and you know how this is too, Matt. Like you can go back to like these guys played the Cowboys and lose by double digits, but you can go back and say, here's four plays. If these four plays are different, this game is different and it's. That's, but that's true of almost, of most games, not just this team, but it's why it's like, yeah, you can be close, but every team kind of feels close because you have those plays. Like even last week, they lose to Tennessee. Tennessee may go on to be a good playoff team, who knows, but you're at the two-yard line. And it's like right. a game that comes down to a couple of plays. plays. Um, you also know, this is Ron Rivera's third year. Yeah. They are one in four in his third year. And they, you know, they won the division of a bad division a couple of years ago, but no winning record. How would you assess this from afar? And I know you're not in plugged in, you know, did all that, but you're a football guy. How do you assess this from a, from your vantage point?
2: Uh, I think this is a very important year for that coaching staff. A very important year where you have to be competitive in this division. Now, does that mean you have to win the division? No, but you have to be competitive. You're going to have to challenge Philadelphia differently. You're going to have to go down, and, you know, when you play Dallas the next time, I think it's at home game. You have to win that football game. You have to beat the Giants. You you have to be competitive in that division. I always remember when, back when I was playing in Washington, in our first defensive meeting of the year, every year, every, you know, offseason, obviously offseason started much earlier back then. It was like the end of March. And Greg Williams, the first thing he would say in our meeting room is we'd talk about our divisional opponents. That if we win these games, then we're going to have a shot. Okay, if we win these games, we can get to the playoffs. It was always about the divisional opponents, right? And we have to be better within the division. That's the first thing. Our second year in Washington, so that was 2004 when Coach Gibbs came. I remember day one of OTAs um, or whatever it was. Used to make it. See, John, we used to make up names for reasons to go on the field back then because there was no rules. I think we called it quarterback school one time. Well, that's right. Yeah. It, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was yeah. it was quarterback school. Yep. Whatever that all that meant was yeah. you'd be in meetings for hours. You can go on the field for hours. There's no time limit. Right. You're probably going to hit with no pads on, just helmet on. So um, that was the Wild West back then. But yeah, remember the first day of 05, uh, Greg Williams put our division record on the board. That was, it was a big, big, right in the middle of the chalkboard or the whiteboard was our divisional record. And he wanted everyone to see it when they came to the meeting room and how poor we were in 04. And if we wanted to be a playoff team, which we ended up being in 2005, we got there with the late season run. But you have to win your division games. And I think if I'm assessing this football team, it's how they do do, do in the divisional football games the remainder of the season. Because if you win those, <clears throat> it's gonna put you in position to compete.
0: Again, third year so, if you're a player here and it is the third year, and you know this team right. is one and four, what do you, In again, this is general, because you're not in those meeting rooms, you're not you're right. part of this, watching this, and you're not communicating with whatever. But you again as a former player. If you were in this situation and you're one and four in the third year, what's going through your mind? And how and how would you know if it's not going well? Like what are the little things? If that's a separate. Let's go with the first one first. I'll get back to that one.
2: Okay. Um, what's going through my mind is that we have a very winnable game this week. We have to get. That's the first thing. We have a winnable game. It's on a short week. We we have to beat Chicago, right? We have to beat Chicago. We are more talented than Chicago. Um, in, in key spots, we have a, a quarterback with much more experience. We have more experience than defensive side of the ball and a system we've been running. You know, so this is a new coaching staff and show. This is a game we have to win, and you have to. It doesn't matter how you do it. If you have to run the ball thirty-five times, you can run the ball thirty-five times. Okay. If you have to get an empty and let Wentz throw it forty times, you do that. Okay, if you have to make some adjustments on special teams and how you're going to manage the kicking game, then you do that. This is the game you have to win, in my opinion. Because if you drop to one and five after losing to Chicago, then then things are really going to start to change in the building. I'm sure they already are. Okay, it is very stressful when you are not winning football games to walk into an NFL facility. It is stressful. And you walk in and people put their heads down and even look at you, right? So, Uh, and you can feel negative energy in the building too and it's not so much negative energy that's not a term i should use but um uh, almost a feeling of desperation mm. that you have to start winning football games because everyone knows it's the business of winning it's not about feelings it's not about who you are as a person it's the business of winning and if you don't win coaching staff could get replaced and if the coaching staff gets replaced guess what you're probably going to I went through a coaching change there when Spurrier left and Coach Gibbs came in. And the amount of of new players that came into that locker room in just one offseason was remarkable. It was remarkable. So you don't want to go through that as a coach. You don't want to go through it as a player. You don't want to go through it as an organization because it affects everyone inside that building. So I am sure right now that there's a little desperation in that building and a little tension. Okay, sometimes tension is a good thing. Sometimes tension creates more energy at practice. Sometimes tension creates more energy in the meeting rooms that we have to be better in terms of our preparation, coach and player. You know, even down to the weight room can be different. The guys just have a little bit more juice because there's a lot of pressure on you to win. There's pressure for every team to win in the NFL. I mean, look at look at the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. And the moves they made this offseason, bringing in Devontae Adams, getting a new coach and Josh McDaniels. They're a one 4 football team as well, okay? So I'm sure last night that plane, going back to Vegas, there was a lot of tension on that plane. Oh, you saw but, Devontae they, Adams. I mean, Yes. Yeah. There, there, there are uh, – this is a very emotional game. And there's a, there's a major human element to this game we don't talk about enough. Um, and the human element plays a, a vital role in your preparation and managing the negative parts of the season because everyone goes through negative parts. Everyone has negative times look at the Green Bay Packers up to, was it 23 against the Giants imagine being up 23 and losing the Giants they have to fly home not from New York to Green Bay from London to Green Bay okay. how do you and how do you how do you keep like again because it's the third year
0: like you were in your first year well your last, your one year was spurrier you guys started bad finished bad he's gone you probably knew he was gone by the third game because I think we all kind of knew that at that mm-hmm. point point. second year you got joe gibbs and you're also one in four how do you prevent like doubt from creeping in about you know as a player because you're going to hear i mean i yeah i'm sure a lot of these guys hear from their family like oh the coach isn't using you right oh they got to do this i gotta do that how do you prevent that from becoming an issue especially again when it's your third year i just think that's different and i you know, again, I'm not asking you to speak specifically about this place, but as you've been in these situations, right? How do you prevent the doubt from creeping in, and can that become a big issue too? Uh, you know, it's doubt question. about the staff's ability to get you right. turned around.
2: I'll give you a, an example. Um, think about the five season when I was in Washington, right? And I remember after the Baltimore game, it was a Sunday night game, and I got hurt. That's the game I blew money out. And I'm sitting on the table, you know, crushed because I got ice in my knee and they told me you're done. Um, And the look on some of our defensive coaches faces when they came back in locker room and it wasn't anger. It was, it it wasn't anger. I'm telling you, it wasn't anger. It was just that tension because that was a really good defensive football team. We had Yeah, really good. And that's another situation you talk about when teams start to lose, is there one side of the ball that's really playing good? really playing good football on the other side of the ball is not because that creates even more tension in the building when you have either a defensive unit or an offensive unit that is rolling and the other side of the ball can't get going you're losing football games because you you saw last week these there's no blow there's not blowouts in the nfl a 17 point win in the nfl is a blowout this isn't a college football saturday okay it is the complete opposite everyone has talent everyone is well coached in my opinion and everyone has the players that, in critical game situations, can make those plays to win. It's just who's going to make them that given week. And like I said, you saw it last week against Tennessee. That was a heck of a football game. You have the ball right there to win the football game, right? Or, to, you know, have a chance to win the football game. And who's going to make the play? Well, David Long made the play for Tennessee. Good play. did. It, it was a heck of a play, too. I know exactly what, what Washington was trying to do. They're trying to get the running back out and angle route and sneak him into a tight window. David Long read it and jumped it. It was a heck of a play by David Long. What if Wentz makes that throw, right? What if David Long takes a takes a false step in his drop and can't recover in time? There's So many little things to winning a football game. So I that 05 season when we were playing good defense and the offense was struggling. Okay. I mean, the, the 04 season, excuse me, that was struggling. Hey, that creates even it creates even more tension. Sometimes you need a football game to get going. Right. right. you remember This is 05. I think it's 05. We beat the Dallas on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that was the night they were going to – the ring of honor for Aikman, Irvin, and e- Emmett Smith. Right. And Jerry Jones is down the sideline the fourth quarter because they're up, and we scored two touchdowns in back-to-back drives, right? And okay. same play. It's called a pin route, P-I-N. And what that means is you have the inside receiver running a dig route and you take the post over the top. So you're trying to remove the safety in, in quarters – to the one-on-one. The one-on-one was for Santana Moss. I think it was Roy Williams at safety with Chris. I think it was Cooley running the, the dig route. And that created a void down the field. We hit it twice in a row. And that changed everything. Now imagine losing that game and, and going home from Dallas on a Monday night. We won that game. We got home at 6 in the morning. Uh, my wife is teaching at Broad Run High School, teaching science. And my wife's leaving for work, and I'm just getting back from the facility at 6.30 in the morning, you know, because we just landed at, at the airport. Um, you need games like that. The, those games change the course of a season. Now, now, granted, in that season, then yeah, we 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 went backwards a little bit, and then what do we win? Five, uh, five or six in a row at the end. Yeah. And, and those five and six in a row we run at the end was at times Clinton Portis is carrying the entire football team. Right, we we're playing good defense, but Clinton Portis carried the football right. team at times. You, you need those things to happen in an NFL season. You need games like that where the you know someone on offense is completely takes over. Or someone on defense, a safety that continues to make play after play after play, you need a, a jump start at times, and everyone has the talent to do it. Just do, you, and I'll say this: it, when you're a defensive player, uh, sometimes turnovers come in bunches, and you can't really you can't really explain them. You can't really draw it in X's and O's. They just happen, and you'll have a guy that can play a little bit outside of structure at times to make those plays for you, and that is sometimes happen. But every season. You need moments like that. And Washington hasn't had theirs yet. They haven't. So maybe it starts Thursday night. How maybe would there's Gibbs, something on Thursday night that completely takes over that football game. And that just creates juice and energy within the football team. How would Gibbs handle those bad stretches in front
0: of the team? What, how would he handle that? How would who? Gibbs. You guys are one in
2: four, and then you did have right. some
0: stretches in 2005 as well.
2: Because Coach Gibbs is um, – and Coach Gibbs is 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 the master of winning, right? He wins in everything. So, uh, I've never been around someone that, and I've been around great coaches. I shouldn't say that, but Coach Gibbs was unique in the way that he can manage people, right? It's not again, it's not about the X's and O's when you're a head coach. At times, it's how do your ability to manage people. That means everyone in the building, that means your entire coaching staff, that means all your players and everyone in the practice squad to manage all those different personalities, right? Because we had a lot of different, every football team has different personalities. The high school team I coach has unique personalities. So how do you manage all those personalities? And look, it's easier to manage those personalities, John, when everyone's giving high fives, right? It's easy. We're winning. We won five in a row. Everything's great. No, it's when things go south. That's when you're tested as a leader. And I thought Gibbs was excellent in that, And that always not reminding us, showing us, one, what we did wrong, how to correct it and how close we were, how close we were to going on a run and the confidence he continued to create in people and players in the building, no matter what, how negative the situation got. And you, when you have a leader like that and just like Greg on defense, Greg, on, Greg did it in his unique way. We know that on the defensive side of the ball. But man, I I've always said this about Greg and for Coach Gibbs, I wanted it to make plays for them. Those you want to impress people like that, right? You want to impress a head coach or defense coordinator who creates that motivation in you, even when things, even when you don't want to go to work, right? Look, look, people forget about football players. It's a job, right? It's a job then end of the day, and there are days you don't want to go. Day, and you're gonna go because you're a professional. You're gonna be there, but there's days when you're down. You know, there's days when you're tired of going to get treatment at six in the morning, right? Or five thirty in the morning before meetings. Okay, we're getting treatment afterwards as well. Now you're getting home at seven at night, and you got to do it all again next day. And back then, John, you did it all all the time in pads. There's no regulations on hitting or anything. And if you play for Joe Gibbs, you're gonna hit now. You're gonna hit a lot. And you can do an inside run every day. Yeah. You know, and you're going to go live at practice. This is what we did. We went live a lot and we hit all day long. So there are times when you get a little down and you need a leader like that to pick you up. You need a leader like that to create the juice in the building. And Coach Gibbs and Greg were excellent at
0: that. And obviously, like the other day, Rivera kind of caused a stir with his comments about asked about, you know, what's the difference between them and the other rebuilding teams in the division who have actually succeeded. He said, quarterback. I know he didn't mean it as a shot at Carson Wentz. He was saying those guys have been in the system longer. And um, my understanding is he has apologized in front of the team, apologized or talked about it in front of the team, apologized to Carson Wentz. But, you know, when you see that and it, people jump on that, you know, I don't, how did you take that? And I, again, I know the intent, but I'm just, again, from a player, even if you know it was like what he's now saying he meant, how do you take that?
2: As a player, um... Do you like no. that he
0: apologizes if he do all
2: that, you know? Right. I mean, sometimes stuff like that happens. I mean, it does. And, and if you and if you talk it out as a team, I think you can get through situations like that. I really do. But if I'm Carson Wentz, that, that, there's still a message to me that I need to play better. Right? That's what it is.
0: And, and I will say, in fairness, like, he was saying that these other teams had their quarterbacks longer in the system, and mm-hmm. theirs just got here. So, like, that's where he said that's why they may be further ahead, because they've had their quarterbacks in that – in a – built around them versus they just got their quarterback they're now building around. So it wasn't meant as a shot at Wentz as much as it was their further ahead because of this. It could be an excuse, whatever. Um, It could be it was a clumsy way to say it. I think I would hope you
2: would. would still, I would still um, use it as motivation as a player. Okay, there you go. I would say, okay, Coach, you don't think so? I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to play my best football this Thursday night. And I'm gonna to try to take over the football game. I'm gonna win those critical moments we haven't been winning, and it's be because of me. Okay. And the next time you go up and talk to the media, it's to be in a much po- more positive fashion. We're talking about my style of play and what I'm doing on tape. Last thing,
0: and I got a couple minutes left on my
2: Zoom session. They only give you 40. That's not enough. Yeah. But
0: but that's actually probably better for guests because then we got to get off. Last thing though, can you tell, or how can you tell from inside, from outside? When a coach doesn't have that impact on a team anymore,
2: uh, I think there's so many ways with that, John. I, I think the first thing is lack of discipline. It doesn't matter if we're talking about high school football or pro football. You know, do teams uh, are the are you a team that has a lot of penalties? Are you a team that turns the ball over consistently? Are you a team that struggles? You know, in 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 executing the kicking game those are all disciplinary things to me right those are all disciplinary the penalties are just now there's one thing penalties happen when guys get tired and their conditioning level struggles because that's when you see offensive linemen grab that's when you see defensive backs grab because they're out of position right that happens when you're tired and the first thing that happens when you're tired is you have the i feel sorry for myself moment and you're feeling about yourself being tired and then you're not focusing on your technique if you don't play with technique in this league, you get beat. It's simple as that. There's too, everyone's good. There's too many good players. Um, but I think the, the first thing I look at if a coach has lost a team is the discipline. And the discipline, not just on first down, the discipline on the the money situation. So the critical game situation. So for me, John, critical game situations are third downs and red zone, two minute and backed up. Those are those are things you have to win in football games. You have to. And if you don't win third downs, you're not going to any games Right. And if you you give up touchdowns and you don't score touchdowns in the red zone, you're not going to win games in this league. And with two-minute situations, the defense, you have to close the door in those situations. You have to. And offensively, you have to show the discipline and and the ability to play within structure in those situations because they're vital to winning games. And, again, backed up is all about field position, right? You have to create field position in those situations. So you have to get two or three first downs to impact game flow and game momentum. But discipline in those situations, if you don't have it, well, one, you're not going to win many football games, and it shows that it's not a priority to your football team.
0: Matt, you're the best, and we didn't even get into the explosive Iowa offense. I guess we'll have to save that 40 minutes for another time.
2: They are playing Ohio State this year, though. They are playing on
0: on a week from this. I'll tell you what,
2: though. uh, Real quick, I know you got less than a minute. I can see it. Um, I'm always going to stand behind Coach Ferentz, no matter what. That's He's got a track coach. record.
0: I'm well, gonna always going to stand
2: all- behind Coach Ferentz, and what Phil Parker is doing defensively, year in and year out, defense with defense is good. Their is, defense is, is pretty unique, and that that's a testament. You talk about discipline and coaching. Look at Phil Parker at the University of Iowa. Well,
0: and I'm as an Ohio State fan, I'm anxious to see them against that defense because they may be the best defense they faced to this point. So I, right. w- I would like to see how that passing game works against them. Matt, you're the best. I appreciate catching up with you. Always, always enjoy you. And people can follow your work. Go to Instagram. Go to Twitter. You're always posting really good stuff. And still doing great work for ESPN. Thanks, man. Thank you, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Matt for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I will be back on Wednesday night, I believe, with my keys to the game and a prediction for, for Thursday's game at Chicago. And don't forget to look for, between the hashes, a college football preview. It'll come out Thursday or Friday morning. Really good insight by my son, Matthew, into the, the big college games of the week. Always does a prepared, thorough job letting you know what you need to know that's important in those games. So between the hashes, look for that later in the week. And I'll talk to you next time.